Welcome to Saints Alive, where we take you with us to meet God's most heroic followers. The saints were just ordinary boys and girls who allowed God's love to transform them into real-life superheroes. Their love for God changed our world. Did you know that God has sent you here to become a saint? It's up to you to choose love over fear, to be courageous, faithful, and kind. The choice to become a saint won't be easy, but it will be worth it. So listen closely and open your hearts. These real-life tales of the saints from the past may just inspire you how to live your story. Let's go on this adventure together. St. Therese of Lisieux, also known as St. Therese of the Child Jesus, is one of the greatest saints in our modern times. Her nickname is the Little Flower because she loved nature and viewed every person as a unique flower created by God. Pope John Paul II formally declared St. Therese a doctor of the church, which means that her writings and teachings advanced the knowledge of God for all of us. What makes her even more special was that she accomplished all of this at such a young age. She only lived to be 24 years old, but she radically transformed the world during her life. She's a great reminder that you can become a great saint right now if you just let God into your heart and always choose to do His will. Saint Therese is one of the greatest saints to ever live. And as you'll hear today, she didn't do anything out of the ordinary. So. Let's listen in and see how our ordinary days can become extraordinary through simple faith and consistent prayer. Therese was born on January 2nd, 1873 in a small French town by the name of Alencon. She was the youngest of five children with four older sisters. Her parents, Louis and Zélie Martin, were so wonderful they became saints as well. During Therese's first few years of life, the Martins love to take family walks on Sundays. Pauline, Pauline, wait up! Therese, slow down. You'll tire yourself out. No, I won't, Papa. Oh boy, we have quite a stubborn little girl on our hands, Louis. A stubborn one, maybe, but a powerful one. Yes, I hope you're right. Just look at who her mother is. <laughs> Put a pink down, you silly man! <laughs> <sighs> Mama, I'm tired. Therese sat down on the dusty country road and looked out as the golden sun sank beneath the sprawling French hillside. You tried hard, though, didn't you? Would you like some help getting home? No, I want to keep going. That's very admirable of you, Therese, but it's probably time for us to turn back. No, Mama, I was born for glory. I need to see more. Therese was always drawn to St. Joan of Arc's story. She adopted Joan's motto, born for glory, and made it her own. That's right, you were. But that doesn't mean you have to do big things. Glory is in the little things. Ah, like this little flower. Here you go. Oh, a rose. Come on, let Papa carry you. We still have to make it back to the house. Come here, my little queen. Louis stooped down to pick up Therese. He loved calling her his little queen, and she loved to call him her king. 
He plopped her up onto his shoulders and grabbed Zelly's hand as they began to walk back home. The warm sunset glow illuminated their path. As they rounded a corner, Therese pointed out a homeless man lying on a bench. Papa, can you give me some coins to give to that man? Of course. Let me down, Papa. Sir, sir, here you go. Oh, thank you. Therese's heart began to burn with compassion for the man. She wanted to help him more. And here's this. A rose. <laughs> ah, this means the world to me. <sighs> Thank you, little flower. I will pray for you, sir, every day. The Martin family set out. Therese knew God listened to her prayers. She knew they weren't just meaningless words. As she rode on top of Louis' shoulders, she prayed for the homeless man, just as she had promised. Oh, Jesus, please bless that man. Mother Mary, please protect him and watch over him. Amen. It was a beautiful childhood for little Therese. However, the pleasant times didn't last long. Therese was only four years old when her mother, Zelie, passed away from breast cancer. The tragedy led to the hardest time of her life. Therese became timid and sensitive clinging to her older sisters for comfort. Making friends became difficult. She looked to Pauline, her oldest sister, as a second mother. But then, when Therese was nine years old, Pauline left her family for the Carmelite Monastery in Lisieux. The toll of losing both her mother and her oldest sister led Therese to grow severely ill. For months, no treatment helped her, and she suffered immensely. One day, Therese was so sick that all she could do was murmur to herself. She tossed and turned, her fever causing her to sweat profusely. The pain was excruciating for her small body, and it wore out her mind. Her sister, Leonie, sat near the window and tried to read while Therese suffered. Leonie wanted to be close so Therese wouldn't feel so alone. <coughs> mama, Mama. It's okay, Therese. I'm here. Leonie's here. Therese? Leonie? Can we come in? Therese and Leonie's sisters, Marie and Celine, walked into the room. They wanted to comfort Therese alongside Leonie. The Martin girls always looked out for one another. How is she? She seems far away. She keeps asking for Mama. Oh, Therese, Therese, we're here with you. Marie is here with you. I don't think she can hear you. Mama? No, Therese, it's me, Marie, your sister. <coughs> we need to pray for a cure. We've been praying for a cure, Marie. Well, we can continue. Come on. Marie, Leonie, and Celine knelt in front of a statue of Mother Mary near the bedside. Therese slowly rolled her head to see Marie leading her sisters in prayer. Oh, blessed mother, wrap Therese in your loving mantle. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary. Therese fought hard to muster a small mental prayer to Mary. Mama Mary, please bless me. Please help me. As little Therese fought to ask for help, suddenly 
Mary's face on the statue began to radiate. She appeared as beautiful as anything Therese had ever seen, and the statue smiled at Therese. She immediately felt her fever break, and all of her energy re-enter her body. She felt a sense of joy reach down to the depths of her heart. Her shaky legs regained strength, and her fragile voice returned as two tears watered her eyelashes. She was healed. Therese? Therese? Marie! Therese! After being miraculously healed from her illness, Therese felt a desire and pull to follow her older sister, Pauline, to the Carmelite Monastery. She was only nine years old, but she knew she was born for glory, and she wanted to live her life not only rescuing France, but the whole world. However, the prioress of the Carmelite Monastery told Therese to wait until she was older. Over the next few years, two more of Therese's older sisters, Marie and Leonie, became religious sisters. Therese was a sweet young girl. She desired holiness, she loved Jesus, but she was also very sensitive, to put it lightly. She cried, No! And she cried, Why? And she cried, I'm sorry! And after she cried, she cried about crying. I don't want to cry! People joked that she cried enough tears as a child that she wouldn't ever have to cry when she was older. Their jokes would prove prophetic, when on Christmas night in 1886, the Lord touched her heart in a profound way. Okay, my beautiful ladies, everyone to bed. Papa is tired. Merry Christmas. Louis had just taken his girls to midnight mass and he was exhausted from cooking and preparing the house for the feast of Christmas. One of the Martin's traditions and a popular French Christmas tradition was to leave big wooden shoes called sabbats by the fireplace for parents to fill with presents. Young Therese loved this tradition and couldn't wait to get home to see what Louis had left in her shoe. As she walked into the house, she looked to her father with big eyes. Come on now, to bed, all of you. But Papa, I want to see my shoe. You can in the morning, to bed. Therese turned around with her sisters and began to scurry up the stairs to bed. <sighs> Thank goodness this is the last year of this. Louis thought his children were old enough to end their childhood tradition, and he didn't mean to say it out loud, let alone for his children to hear it, but his words filled the living space. Therese heard them, and she stopped in her tracks. Tears began to swell in her eyes. Her siblings looked to each other, they knew their father's words would destroy Therese. They braced themselves for her tears. No, Therese, it's okay. He didn't mean it. Therese took a deep breath and walked down the stairs. Therese, come back. It was an accident. It's not the last year. You didn't mean it. Right, Dad? Right? <laughs> Louis turned around and saw Therese coming toward him. It dawned on him what he said. Therese, I'm sorry. Do you mean it? Do I mean what? That this is the last year? Therese's sisters huddled on the stairs, waiting for Therese to erupt into a fit. Well, Therese, it's hard without your mother. It's okay, Papa. To everyone's surprise, 
Therese hugged Louis. She didn't cry, she didn't pout, she didn't stomp her foot, but instead, simply smiled. If this is the last year, may it be our best, and may every year after bring us even more joy than before. Thank you for caring for us so well, Papa. Oh, um, wow. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Well, uh, I guess we're off to bed then. Good night. Good night. Therese felt her tears vanish. In their place, she felt charity and generosity consume her heart. She looked to Louis with love, and she ached for souls to know Jesus. Everything is a grace, Jesus, because everything is the direct effect of our Father's love. In all our difficulties, burdens, needs, everything, because through them I learn humility and realize my weakness. Everything is a grace because everything is your gift. This isn't what I hoped for, but it's a gift from you, Jesus. All is well. Amen. The desire to enter religious life at Carmel only solidified after her Christmas conversion. Not even 15 years old, Therese was so determined to become a Carmelite nun that she took her father, Louis, to see their bishop and request his permission to enter early. The bishop wanted more time to think about his decision. As you can imagine, this did not sit well with Therese. Her persistence and fervor made her brainstorm other options. After some thought, she planned a trip to Rome to see the Pope. Louis, being the good father that he was, took Therese and her sister Celine to see Pope Leo XIII. While they were there, they explored the Colosseum to see where the first Christian martyrs laid down their lives for Jesus. Papa, can we go down to the arena floor? Papa, please? I believe the signs say, no trespassers. There were martyrs that died down there. We only want to pray. Our heroes were down there, Papa. Uh, if you get caught, I don't know you two. Deal. Therese scanned the crowds. She waited until she saw an opening. Celine, come quickly, we can get through. Celine, Therese. Ah, oh, bother. Louis shook his head and smiled as he watched his two daughters sneakily slip down the Colosseum stairs to the arena floor. <laughs> Keep up, Celine. <laughs> Slow down, Therese. Slow down. Wow. Therese and Celine came to a screeching halt when they reached the Colosseum floor. They stooped down to touch the gravel before falling to their knees. Let's pray, Therese. The two sisters prayed to God and thanked him for the lives of the martyrs. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. It's beautiful, isn't it? Love needs to be proved by action. The first Christian martyrs who died right here are the best examples of that. Let us be like them and prove our love every day, Celine. I am very far from practicing what I understand, Jesus, but help me to follow you the best I can. Amen. Later that week, the Martin family finally got their chance to see Pope Leo XIII. They arrived early enough to be among the audience members able to greet him the audience packed in behind them, the excitement growing. Therese knew how big of a day this could be for her. 
Attention! As you go on to receive a blessing from Pope Leo, please be respectful of his time and space. If people speak to him, his holiness is too sincere to not converse. Therefore, there is no speaking permitted as it will prolong his stay. I repeat, no speaking from any audience members. Celine, what do I do? This is my one chance to speak to the Pope about helping me become a Carmelite. Speak! I repeat, no speaking. Therese and Celine looked at one another as they approached Pope Leo. As she watched closer and closer, Therese's heart beat faster and faster. She knew this was her one chance to make her dreams come true. When it was her turn to receive a blessing from the Pope, she fell down to her knees and kissed his red shoes. Please, Jesus, give me confidence where I'm scared. Be with me. Most Holy Father, I have a great favor to ask you. Pope Leo lowered his head toward Therese. Your Holiness, I I must remind you that we are on a time limit. Yes, my daughter. What is your great favor? Holy Father, please permit me to enter the Carmel at age 15. Pope Leo looked confused and turned for help to understand what Therese was asking. Uh, Most Holy Father, this is a child who wants to enter Carmel at the age of 15. The superiors are considering the matter at the moment. Well, my child, do what the superiors tell you. Therese grabbed Pope Leo's knees, her desperation bubbling. Holy Father, if you say yes, everyone will agree. Pope Leo held eye contact with Therese. She stared back, awaiting his response. Go. Go, my child. You will enter if God wills it. Oh, thank you, Pope Leo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. May God bless you. Pope Leo's words proved prophetic. Therese was accepted into the Carmel Convent shortly after her visit to Rome on New Year's Day in 1888. However, she had to wait four months before actually entering. When she left her home, she hugged her father, kissed him on the cheek, and told him, I'm going to live forever and ever with Jesus in the desert. And then set out. The convent proved to be both peaceful and challenging for Sister Therese. Though she gave her sincere efforts to help out, she was often misunderstood because of her youth and vigor. Sister St. Pierre, would you like some help down the corridor? Please, allow me. No, no, I don't need anyone's help. There was a particular elder sister who gave Therese a hard time, Sister St. Pierre. But that didn't stop Therese from continuing to humbly offer help. Well then, Jesus, if great deeds are forbidden me, the only way I can prove my love is by scattering flowers. And these flowers are every little sacrifice, every glance and word, and the doing of the least actions for love. How about I just walk with you then, sister? Would you allow that? Oh, well, all right. Thank you, dear. Oh, careful. There's a step. Yes. Yes, I see. It's a beautiful morning, isn't it? I saw a wonderful sunrise. Yes, beautiful indeed. I loved all the yellows and the oranges and the reds. You move too fast. Oh, I apologize, sister. Uh, Let me slow down. Well, come on. I don't feel your hand. Oh, oh, you have let go of me, and I'm going to fall. I was right when I said you were too young to help me. Therese thought about what to say to Sister St. Pierre, who was acting so unjustly. Rather than say anything, though, 
She simply smiled. I trust you, Jesus, that a word or a smile is often enough to put fresh life in a despondent soul. Please bless Sister St. Pierre. Amen. Therese had a magnanimous soul. Like Joan of Arc, she wanted to do something big and to become a great saint. She wanted to reach the world and change it. However, as her time at Carmel went on, she saw that she was only capable of small tasks, and her dreams of becoming a Carmelite missionary and moving to another country were growing slim. Joan of Arc got to lead battles, but I get to wash laundry. Lord, I trust you see just as much beauty in my work. Therese performed every small task throughout her day with great love, trusting that the Lord would see her work and be pleased. The great saints healed lepers and cured the blind, cleaned the world of disease, but I pray and sweep. Jesus, let my prayer and cleaning be just as pleasing to you. Prayer and sacrifice can touch souls better than words. Her little way, as she called it, of doing the Lord's will and evangelizing went unnoticed by her peers, but the Lord looked kindly upon it. God sees all of our actions, whether or not anyone else sees them. Maybe from the outside it simply looks like I'm cleaning up dinner for my sisters, but I'm actually serving the Lord who lives inside each of them. In serving them, I serve you, Lord. I prefer the monotony of obscure sacrifice to all ecstasies. To pick up a pin for love can convert a soul. I love you, Jesus. One day, Therese was trying to pray, but a fellow sister kept making an annoying clicking noise with her mouth. Therese wanted so badly to just focus on her prayer, but this noise dug deeper and deeper into her mind. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Well, Jesus, you clearly don't mind this happening, so I give you my distracted prayer. I trust that even this pleases you, me simply sitting here and saying nothing. Oh, Jesus, how sweet that sound when I give it to you. Therese viewed every little experience, even her annoyances with her fellow sisters, as her means to become a saint. As time went on, Therese's health gradually declined. She was diagnosed with tuberculosis and for 18 months suffered from this incurable disease. She lay bedridden for much of it, unable to do anything but pray and write. She offered her suffering up for the salvation of souls, and she wrote a story about her life. When she got too sick to write, her sister Agnes would sit with her and write what she had to say. <coughs> My sister, it pains me to see you in so much pain. It's only a glimpse into the suffering of our Lord. Here's a handkerchief. <coughs> Thank, <coughs> Thank you. Maybe you should get some rest. I received such beautiful clarity last night. I do want to tell you. Yes, of course. Some notes from a concert far away have just reached my ears and made me think that soon I shall be listening to the wondrous melodies of paradise. <coughs> the thought, however, 
gave me but a moment's joy. One hope alone that makes my heart beat fast. <coughs> the love I shall receive and the love I shall be able to give. I feel that my mission is soon to begin. My mission to make others love God as I love him, to teach souls my little way. <coughs> I have no doubt you will be in heaven interceding for us. I will send down a shower of roses from heaven. I will spend my heaven doing good upon the earth. I will show people it's possible to become great saints and I'll help them to do so. Well, please start with me. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Can I get you another hot rag? Yes? Okay, I'll be right back. Agnes walked out the door and slowly closed it behind her. Oh, sisters. How do you do? Mother Agnes, we're sorry to intrude. The rabbits got at the tomatoes again. We lost half the garden. Oh, goodness, the rabbits. Yes, well, I'm busy right now. I'll tend to it later. Excuse me, I do apologize. Mother Agnes spends an awful lot of time with Sister Therese. Is she still writing down her story? Yes, it appears so. She does it constantly. Sister Therese will not live long, and really sometimes I wonder what her mother Priores will find to say about her when she dies. She will be sorely puzzled, for this little sister, amiable as she is, has certainly never done anything worth speaking about. Therese? Psst. Therese? Here, my darling. Here's another rag. Thank you. <laughs> I also brought you a friend. It's a relic of Venerable Theophany Venard. Oh, Theophany! A spiritual brother! Wow, thank you! Theophany's writings help me to see each person is a beautiful flower. Some get to be glorious roses, others wonderful lilies. Some like me are only wildflowers in the forest, blooming where God wants me and no one sees. Some the Lord picks earlier than others, some the Lord picks later. Theophany helped me see this. I've always wanted to be like him ever since. <coughs> Thank you. It's my pleasure, dear. You're a beautiful little flower, Therese. Now get some rest. Therese died on September 30th, 1897. Her feast day is October 1st, and she's the patron saint of missions. Surrounded by her Carmelite sisters, her last words were, Oh, my God, I love you. Within months of her death, the Carmelites at Lisieux received favors and graces that they attributed to her intercession. Therese's parents are great examples of how a holy mother and father can lead their children to great heights of holiness. Her siblings are examples of how when we chase holiness, we give permission to our siblings to do the same. And Saint Therese is the ultimate example of how each of us can become great saints no matter how little we feel.
It might seem surprising, but Therese didn't stand out amongst her peers. She seemed like an ordinary Carmelite. Little did they know, she was one of the greatest saints of all time. If you've listened to many of our episodes, I'm sure you're starting to find your favorite saints by now. Saint Therese had her favorite saints as well. It can be easy to think that you have to do huge things to be like them, when in reality, all you have to do is small things with great love. You can do your homework with great love. You can show your siblings that you care for them. You can start to invite God into all the little things you do each and every day. That, my friend, is heroic and great. And friends, that will make you a saint. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Alex. I'm Melissa. And I'm Tanner. And we are the team of Saints Alive. We are so grateful for all of our wonderful listeners and a special thanks to the patrons who helped make this episode possible. The A.V. family, Bryn, Declan, and Reed. The Barry family. The Young family, Lincoln, Abel, Genevieve, Shepard, Guinevere, Sebastian, Callahan, and Hildegard. Mark Wood, the Smith family, Trinity, Damien, and Dominic. The Haig family, Del Rey, Alex, Isaiah, Eli, Maggie, and Josie. The Ducote family, Sam, Joey, Stella, Margot, and Gemma. The Tuttle family, Elizabeth, Anastasia, Thomas, and Natalia. The Whalen family, Rosie and Joey, and William and Peter Huss. The Hogden family, Jack, Nicholas, Monica, Max, and Lucy. The Hernandez family, Evelyn, Elliot, Claudia, and Ivo. Josh, Tina, and Will Johnson and the Jones family, the Goodman family, the Brogan family, and the Pellez family. Thank you all so much. And mark your calendars for our first three-part episode on St. John Paul II, premiering October 16th.